Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Rank Squad and welcome to Ranks FC. It's your favourite football podcast back for a second time this week. And we are doing a special episode, something we're going to run throughout this January window, ranking the hottest transfers of the weeks. It's a bit of a quick ranks. It's a little bit of a shorter episode, but we'll be going through the big talking points that have happened in the week of transfer news. And to do so, it's our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. How you doing, mate? Hello, mate. Um, quite tired. It's been a busy day, actually. There's quite a few transfers flying around that uh, we're going to talk about in a minute, and I've had to be checking out. Um, probably not as tired as you, who's actually just literally walked through the door and got back from Liverpool. Uh, so at least I haven't had to do that journey. Uh, in fact, one of my one of my mates drove there and back yesterday, and um, he, I think he got home at four a.m. Uh, which doesn't, I, I've, no, that's not the life for me, I'm afraid. Fair play to it, big commitment. But I want to message, I, w- I woke up at half six this morning, straight away was like, what time did you get in? And he was already up getting ready for work and was like, two and a half hours two sleep. Two and a half hours ago. Yeah, for exactly. me. Not um, for me. How did you find it, mate? Well, before we do the transfers, let's just address um, a little bit of heartache because. Oh, we were good first half and did well not to crumble, I think. Yeah, it was it was a really enjoyable experience. I mean, I love Liverpool as a city. It's one of my favourite places in, in the UK. To be honest, it's one of my favourite places in the world. I think it's just an absolutely cracking place. We had a few drinks and before the game in a pub called The Distillery, which I absolutely love. Did you it's take really, me there really once? I, potentially not. I don't think I've been oh. there before. But it's a class pub. It's got, it's got big 
Irish connections. It's got Ireland shirts all over the walls, Celtic shirts all over the walls, right. a couple of Liverpool shirts, but then the lads behind the bar were all Everton. So they had a couple of signed Everton shirts as well. And they did a pint of Murphy Stout, which I haven't had since I left Cork in the summer. Oh. And I was absolutely over the moon to find Murphy's <laughs> in this pub. So great pint. Great pub. Um, then, yeah, so I met a few of the lads, did some stuff with the Cop TV after the game as well. Um, met Alex and did a few videos. So it was it was great fun. Then we recorded Fulhamish this morning and shot back on the train. It was a great, great time. I had a great time. Really yeah. enjoyed myself. Game aside, and also the thing with the game is, I said I'd have taken a one-goal loss before yes. the game. Yeah. We got the moment of the first goal, which was incredible. Yeah. Great limbs. Concourse at halftime was absolutely buzzing. It was incredible, incredibly good vibes. And yeah, obviously the end of the game, it could have been worse in many ways. And I think yeah. that the pressure that Liverpool piled on, it's, it's unfortunate to lose from a winning position. But I think at the end of the game, you're probably going, yeah, we'll hang on here for the 2-1 and, and second leg at the cottage. Fingers crossed we can pull out some of that Juventus magic after all these years. <sighs> yeah, definitely need some magic, mate. I couldn't watch. I literally couldn't watch dylan was like dad you haven't sat still i can't i was pacing around the lounge i had a glass a large glass of red wine that i would walk over to uh and just gulp uh in these mad moments of frenzy uh the last 10 15 minutes i just had my head uh buried in my hands basically just waiting for a third goal to go in because the commentator kept telling me Liverpool were going to score a third goal and that it was inevitable. The commentary on Sky Sports was ridiculous, man. Like, I know there's always this bias towards bigger clubs and more of their fans are watching it. But Naturally, yeah, of course. Last there night, is a level. My dad texted me saying, this is, this is a crime. It felt, mate, it really did feel like we might as well have not been there. Um, so when we had that chance, right, like Harry Wilson, free kick, last chance of the game to get something. I was like, oh my God, are we going to steal something? Written in the stars, isn't it? And it was the worst delivery of a free kick that I possibly have ever seen. And I just like threw something at the wall and just turned the TV off and walked out. (laughs) But yeah, in hindsight, one one goal down, take it back to the cottage and see what we can do. Exactly, exactly. That's the magic of the cup right there. Um, Let's go on to some transfers. Do you want to kind of just chill out the concept so we can make everyone clear as to what we're doing here? Yeah, I mean, look, each week I'm just going to address the five most exciting, interesting, intriguing rumours that are out there. And I'll rank them five to one and kind of try and put some context between the lines. And the one that's number one doesn't always necessarily mean that's the one I think will happen. It might just be that that's the one that's got most life in it or... um, yeah, I think you'll get the gist as we go through. But basically five in this case is extremely unlikely and it's a bit of a wild rumour. Uh, and then we'll build our way up from there into something which is pretty concrete. So I'll get going. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, this morning, Borja Mayoral was linked with a move to Arsenal. It wasn't just linked with a move to Arsenal. It was like Arsenal were making a £22 million bid for Borja Mayoral. And it, the story also went on to say that um, the Hatafe would reject the bid because they wanted closer to thirty-nine million pounds for him. Um, I woke up to this story and was like, "What? How have I? One hour have I missed this? Because I've got a few decent connections around both ends of this from an, uh, the player perspective and the Arsenal perspective." And 
two. Like, what? Twenty-two million pounds isn't good enough, and they want thirty-nine. That doesn't make any sense because. I spoke to someone close to this recently and they told me if Fulham wanted to sign him, it would be about 12 million. So what has gone on here? Anyway, the reason this is at number five is because it's not happening. Arsenal haven't made an offer of 22 million pounds. Arsenal don't have 22 million pounds to spend on a striker this month. And that is important that we keep this in mind as we are reading rumours around Arsenal. They do have some intention to try to make something happen in this window. That much is true. But in terms of wiggle room of financial fair play, there ain't a lot. There's certainly not 20-odd million pounds worth. Arsenal also being linked with Joshua Xerxes, who's like 50 million pounds. That one won't happen this month. Look, in the summer, I do think that Arsenal could do something like this. I've said many times on, on ranks, both here and on the Patreon, that Something could happen this month too if they sold someone like Eddie and Ketia, but that's what it's going to take. So it's an interesting rumour and in the fact that it's come completely out of left field. I don't really totally understand where the rumours come from given his representatives have shot it down, Arsenal have shot it down, and I believe Hetafe might have even shot it down um, given a couple of the reports that I've read from that end of things. So a very strange one, but... Um, it reminds me a little bit of the Dom Solanke rumour that's going around about um, Newcastle making an approach for him. I don't think that's happened either. Um, so Dom Solanke uh, is off limits at the moment and Bournemouth would price him out of a move too. To be fair, Arsenal have also been linked with Dom Solanke uh, and that won't be happening, mate. So sorry, Arsenal fans. I don't mean to uh, pour water all over this rumour and ruin your day if you were getting excited about this one, but it just ain't happening right now. I don't think that there's going to be that many people getting excited over this one. I like Borja Mayoral. I think he's a good player. And I think that his sort of career has been a bit nomadic and it's not always gone to plan. But I think he's a, there's a decent player in there. I don't think he's good enough to be the answer for Arsenal. And no. whilst there is is one thing, scoring goals in Hetafe sides that... Well, a good record this season. Straight, yeah, yeah, he's played really well. He's, he's got 12 in 19, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's it's about the way you're looking at it and thinking, okay, how does how does that translate? The way that Hatafe set up, the way that the entire team is built makes sense for a player like Mayoral. I don't think that him going from a borderless system to an Arteta system would be the answer. And we've seen him struggle in teams that are a little bit higher up the table before. This isn't new, right? He's, he's bounced around for a reason. He didn't quite go to plan at Roma, although he, he did okay. He did okay. But he never sort of felt like the long-term answer. And I think that whilst he is continuing to grow as a player, and, you know, he was very, very highly rated coming through when he was younger and, and that spell at, at Real Madrid. But he, he kind of feels where about where he should be. He might be up for a, a jump one up the chain. If he moved to a mid-table Premier League club to maybe a Europa League side, chasing side in La Liga, I could probably understand that. But I don't think he's the person that pushes an Arsenal title bid over the line. Exactly, mate. Exactly. It kind of feels a bit pointless from that perspective because the big thing with Arsenal is they don't have that bite. I tweeted earlier on today from here's the distinct difference between Arsenal and Liverpool right now. Fulham have played against Arsenal twice this season and I wasn't that scared of their forwards and their options there and their ruthlessness around goal. Every time we've played Liverpool, I am scared of their goal potential. Like 
that and that is a, a massive problem I think for Arsenal if they, if they don't put that sort of fear into me as a Fulham fan then they're not going to be striking fear into the biggest clubs across Europe right now which is what they need to do if they're going to challenge for the title or go and challenge for the Champions League so yeah, I totally agree with you on that point. Right, let's go to number four. And a player that I, I don't want to linger on this one too much because I reckon I've spoken about it 4,267 times across the course specific. of the season. I like it. <laughs> so far. It's Conor Gallagher to Tottenham. Now, Tottenham have tied up two transfers already. Timo Werner and Radu Dragisan. Um, as we record this, I believe we are still waiting for the official fully come on you Spurs announcement. But um, all indications are that Dragisan is now a Tottenham player. Um, and so that means we move on to the next narrative. And the next thing is, do Tottenham bring in a midfielder? So there definitely is a possibility of that. And if they were to get what they would see as the perfect number eight fit. I'm told that they do really think that Conor Gallagher would be that. They they can't believe that there is potential to sign a player like this by the time we get to the end of this January transfer window. And first of all, they need to um, discover what's happening with Hoybjerg and whether he's going to be staying or not and what his intentions are. I think James Madison's coming back next week or the week after. So that's a good sign for them in terms of their midfield starting to get stronger. We've seen that they've actually had pretty good depth options. Ben Tanker's coming back into the fold at the moment. Um, so Spurs, they're not in a complete mess in the midfield. And I think they just want to make sure that if they do do something that it's actually needed this season. So. They haven't 100% decided on this yet, but they are starting to feel out, as I understand it, the Conor Gallagher situation as to whether or not he's going to sign this new contract because he's got like 18 months left at Chelsea. We know that um, the way the club is run that is basically viewed as a disaster if somebody has less than that amount of time on their contract these days at Chelsea, start to lose their resale value and stuff. And while Conor Gallagher is not actively for sale at this moment in time there does seem to be a feeling that if you were to lodge an offer you might be able to get this one done um i'm told it will cost at least 45 million pounds to sign conor gallagher and we will see whether this one does open up but for the first time like now that the transfer window is opening up and tottenham have got those first two deals done this Conor Gallagher, Dilemma, Saga, whatever you want to call it, does actually become a bit more interesting because soon we are actually going to reach decision time. Yeah, I mean, it feels very well put together, this Spurs window, right? We, we've spoken about Timo Werner before on the podcast and the fact that we, we think it's a, a good deal with no real downsides in terms of what it offers and that being an option to buy rather than an obligation. It all feels like a real opportunity. And I think there's something about it in that the fact that Timo Werner is willing to come back and, and try to, you know, own that reputation that maybe haunted him post Chelsea and, and actually prove that he can, you know, deliver in the Premier League in terms of goals. I think he, there were performances in that Chelsea spell that were very, very impressive, but in terms of goals and, and what people, you know, the kind of wider image of him in, across the the football world which is potentially a tad unfair but it is what it is 
there's a great mindset around that. I think Dragosan coming in, and obviously it's a bit of a weird one in that his agent's going, I can't believe we turned down Bayern Munich, but he's given <laughs> his word. That was a bit weird. But, you know, I think that Spurs' business has been swift. It's been effective, and they look to be filling in the positions of need that are there in this team. The last one that stands out is another body in that midfield, especially, uh, you know, at the moment, whether that's a short-term deal or a long-term deal, that's the place that now looks like it needs work in this first squad. But the fact that we're you know, having this conversation on the 11th of January and there's two bodies through the door already is remarkable, I think, in, in terms of the business and the fact that everyone else has been maybe a tad slow in terms of getting off the mark. Now, whether that indicates that this is going to be a quieter window than usual or not, I, I don't know yet. But I think that Spurs have been quiet and clinical and effective in the transfer market so far. And they've left themselves now, you know, 20 odd days to get that last piece of the puzzle through the door. And it allows them to relax a little bit around this situation because they can go, okay, well, let's see how this plays out at Chelsea. And we can sit here and, you know, keep an eye on who seems to be the main target. Do I think he'll leave Chelsea this window? No, I don't. But it allows Tottenham to be in a position to strike if that iron becomes hot. It's yeah. it's very impressive from where I'm standing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, Tottenham have had a plan and they've pulled it off so far. So fair play to them. Uh, indeed. Right. Number three. This is a cool transfer rumour. This really did uh, come alight today. Evan Ferguson to Chelsea. Now, we know that Chelsea have this... Um, well, what would we call it? A temptation, I guess, at this point, to go and sign a new striker to fix their goal-scoring problems. But all the talk so far has been of Ivan Tony and Victor Ozyman. Suddenly, uh, Evan Ferguson is being talked about as a new candidate that Chelsea are exploring. Um, they are understood to have admired him for some time. But if they were to make a move for him, now, honestly, it would be extraordinary. Uh, Evan Ferguson, Brighton striker, 19 years old, recently signed a new contract that tied him to them until, I think, 2029. Um, let's remember, too, that Chelsea have already taken a Brighton player, Moise Caicedo, in the not-too-distant past for £115 million, which tells me and the that, rest, but he's the only one they've signed for over a hundred million. That's a fair point. Yeah, uh, but you know, Evan Ferguson, if you're going to go and sign him, you're looking at at least a hundred million pounds. Now, Evan Ferguson's a very good footballer. He's uh, already proving himself in the Premier League. Brighton, of course, first and foremost, won't want to lose a player like this. But you look at what they've looked to do so far, and try and sign a certain profile of player of a certain age, then maybe fits with that. Um, but I personally, I mean, if you're going to be spending that sort of money, I'd still be going for Victor Ozyman. And all the indications I have at the moment are that Ozyman is the prime target for Chelsea. If they're going to try and sign that elite nine, even if they were to strike an agreement this month, next month, whenever, for the summer, that seems to be something that they are looking to at the moment. And I just think that it makes more sense if you want to start playing catch-up and kind of jump a couple of steps, you need to sign someone like Ozyman, in my eyes, rather than another project player like Evan Ferguson, who I don't mean to like um, put him down by saying a project player, but he's not going to be 
a 20, 25 goal a season man. I don't think just yet. I might be wrong because he is very good. But Victor Ozzyman would be. You're signing literally one of the best strikers in the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. I think that that makes more sense. I can understand this from a from a Chelsea perspective because whilst the money to actually sign them up front, that 100 million might be similar in terms of both of these cases, you'd imagine that Ferguson is going to want far less in terms of wages than Osimen or even Ivan Tony. I, I imagine. He's probably going to be sort of half, I imagine, of, of their salaries. At this point in his career, you can't go in and be like, oh, I want 200 grand a week. Because, But I think you could do that if you're Osimen or even Tony, to be honest. So there is a point here. I don't want Evan Ferguson becoming a hundred million pound player right now. Uh, that scares the life out of me because one, transfers of this amount don't always tend to work. And, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of big, that's a big lot of pressure to heap on young shoulders. I think Ferguson's brilliant. I think he's absolutely sensational. And I think he's going to go on and be a seriously, seriously good footballer. But putting that on his back at this point in his career, not for me in terms of, you know, wanting to see him get to the very top. I want Evan Ferguson gone and be the best player in the world. I'm not, I'm not going to beat around the bush on that one. <laughs> but I don't think him getting a two, you know, £100 million move to Chelsea right now is the step that makes that happen. I think he needs to continue to be able to grow and develop in a situation that, one, suits him, and two, where there's not unnecessary pressure being piled on him from a ludicrous, exorbitant transfer fee. But I can understand the Chelsea thing in terms of finances. It just doesn't make sense to me in terms of what they're actually trying to build. Because whilst there's so much of this team that is young and very talented and has that room to grow, it does feel, and we've spoken about it before, that Chelsea kind of need a little bit of top-level experience here to help guide this team and to be someone who is willing to step up and be like, yeah, yeah, put that pressure on me. I want it. I want that smoke. That's an Aussie man. That's a Tony. I think Ivan Tony actually, in terms of Chelsea, fits quite nicely the fact that every number nine we've really seen succeed in a Chelsea shirt has been someone who's gone. That's right. I don't mind the pressure. I don't. You know, yeah. I, I want it. I welcome it. In fact, you have to have that kind of nastiness, that arrogance, and I mean these in kind of positive terms in this regard to be able to carry the burden of that shirt, especially knowing the history of it. I don't think you want to put that on the shoulders of a nineteen-year-old. Yeah, look, I think it would make sense if you could go and get Evan Ferguson like tomorrow. That would give because that gives you an incentive to go and get him instead of um, Aussie men. But if you have to wait anyway for Evan Ferguson, there's no chance that I see Brighton willing to negotiate a deal right like this right now. Then you go for the better one, and the better one is is Aussie men, even if he does end up costing. 120 million like that's the deal well even if the salary is double what Ferguson it doesn't matter it doesn't matter you know at that point um Chelsea have spent a billion pounds um they're not going to stop anytime soon I saw a friend of mine uh Sammy Mockbell who's a Chelsea reporter he he tweeted yesterday um Chelsea something like Chelsea have found a solution to their problems they're just going to throw more money at it and that's exactly what we're going to see them doing any weakness they'll just be like look lads we've come this far we're not only going to come this far. Keep going. Keep ploughing that money. The only, money way, in the only way is through, right? You, you just got to keep digging until you come out the other side. Mate, eventually I'm going to hate this. Oh, oh, you know, we all know um, that I find it hard to see Chelsea doing a well from from my Fulham perspective. Um, but I've, I am 
accepting that one day it will all come together because it seems impossible that it doesn't when you spend on this level. So there you go. That's a story for another day. At number two, this was a transfer that I've found intriguing over the last week or so and uh, finally managed to dig around a little bit into it the last couple of days. It's Michael Elise to Manchester United. Um, Now, when I first saw this rumour... I dismissed it, so I can... I was a bit dismissing of it too, to be honest. I was dismissing of it, and I was like, well, he's not going to choose Man United, is he? What a waste of time. Now, speaking to a couple of people that um, know a lot more about Man United's situation directly than I do, I've managed to understand the situation better. And first and foremost, like this isn't for right now. This is for the summer. And... Secondly, it's because there are genuine concerns about their attack. And while we all think about the fact that they just need another striker to rotate with Hoyland or back up Hoyland or whatever, there is a real fear about the right side. Like Anthony just hasn't cut it and there's a fear that he ain't going to cut it. And so while Garnacho's shown actually he can do a pretty good job there, United might have to go and sign somebody that can play on that right side. So that's the consideration right now. And when they are weighing up options, Michael Elise is somebody that they do really like in this position. Now, obviously, if it comes to a time when there's a bidding war for Michael Elise, you're going to have Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal all involved because that's how good he is. Yeah. And they're the, literally the well, level of club. Liverpool as well, if Salah does decide to leave this summer. Yeah, true. Like yeah, Liverpool. Bid. Yeah, they haven't actually uh, gone down that path yet in terms of... Um, being linked with him heavily. But yeah, you're right. Like, why not Liverpool as well if, if they're going to get to where they want to go uh, and, and move on from uh, Mo Salah? But Elise, 22, um, is seen as a really good profile fit for the type of characters that Man United would like to have on board, but also the style of forward they would want. And obviously the fact that he's done this well already with Crystal Palace in the Premier League gives you that little bit more confidence that he would be able to replicate that and even improve at Man United. Whereas somebody like Anthony has perhaps been caught in the headlights of life at Man United. Maybe maybe he didn't wasn't prepared for what it's like to be a Man United player in the Premier League and immediately have to deal with that. Um uh, you know, I do have some sympathy with him on that front because not not much could really prepare you for it. And I wonder if Eric Ten Hag, to be honest, because he signed him so soon into his tenure, I wonder if even Ten Hag really knew what he was getting Anthony into when he actually signed him. And I, I think in hindsight, I mean, obviously in hindsight, they wouldn't have done that Anthony deal, particularly at that level of spending. Yeah. But this is one to watch out for. I'm not saying Elise will join Man United, but there is something in this. And so next time you see it crop up, maybe think twice before dismissing it. Crystal Palace winger, who's been absolutely exceptional at Selhurst Park, makes move to Manchester United. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, maybe it goes better this time than it did for Zaha. Absolutely. All right then, DJ, who's at number one? At number one, uh, I've got actually two revelations here because I did do I did tease people a little bit on the main show and I felt a bit mean about it afterwards because I said, if you want to know who the melon of the year is, you have to go and listen to Patreon. Uh, and afterwards, I thought, oh, that was a bit harsh. Uh, we've got a loyal listenership here. I should probably just have revealed it. So here I am revealing that 
the 2023 melon of the year is Jordan Henderson. And that is because of the way he went about um, basically ignoring everything he'd ever said about his morals and beliefs to take that move in Saudi Arabia, join Al-Etifak and basically chase money. And then he really sealed himself as the melon of the year when he realized that money actually doesn't buy happiness and he didn't want to be there anymore. Now he wants to come back. So the number one rumor of the week is that Jordan Henderson wants to be anywhere but Saudi Arabia um, by the end of this January transfer window. It's a rumor that's been growing over the last few days. Um, You would have seen when it first came out that Jurgen Klopp was asked about it and was like, did he, did he say this? Have he done a press conference? Because I, I don't know that this is true. But I think even Jurgen Klopp has been probably told by Jordan Henderson himself, if not then other people, that he's not particularly happy over there and that he does want a route out. So Before you come into this properly, it there is something about this that, one, on a kind of karmic level, is quite funny. But yeah. two, the other thing is, about the reasonings that we're hearing in these reports for him wanting to move in that, you know, the atmospheres and attendances aren't what he expected them to be. And he's not dealing very well with the heat. And it does kind of make you think, well, surely like your due diligence before you pursue any sort of move like this is to kind of one, check what the weather's like most of the year. And also, you know, look at the club you're, you're joining and thinking, oh, well, they average an attendance of, 6,000 last year, maybe that's not going to change just because I arrived. Now, obviously, superstars and star power brings more people to the football. That's part of the reason that the Saudi Pro League went on the crusade for signings that it did. But that equally, you have to bear in mind where places are and the captive audiences that they can, you know, truly and fundamentally acquire. Because it's not like suddenly everyone's going to be like, oh, cool, we'll travel to watch Al Etifak play because Jordan Henderson's there. <laughs> it's it's not it doesn't work in the same way. There's there's levels to this, and there's one thing going. Okay, we'll bring more people in because there's there's bigger names. That's great, but also all of the other big clubs also brought in star names. So it's not like people who were from those areas are suddenly going to be like, oh, you know what? I'll leave the area I'm in and I'll go to watch Al Etifak, especially when the star names at other clubs are higher profile and more exciting names than Jordan Henderson. And I think that when you get to that point, somewhat you've got to look at it and think, who was looking at the due diligence on this? Who who was mm. looking at this and going, yeah, no, it's not actually that hot, Jordan. And actually, the, the audiences, the, you know, the attendances are going to triple in size when you get there because that person has a lot to answer for. Yeah, I mean, look, Stephen Gerrard is his manager, and I think if Stephen Gerrard wasn't his manager, then. I don't think he would have made that move. I think it's worth did remembering. Did you watch Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa? Because I did. <laughs> well, they're mates, aren't they, clearly? And look, El Etifak aren't one of the big clubs. No, like, they're, not, they're, they're not PIF owned. I think they are. No. There is there is some backing from that area. But but they not, are not in the same leagues as the, the big four, right? No. And so he's, you know, for all the, you know, might have not been happy at Mitrovic when he left Fulham for Al-Hilal, but he's one of the top goal scorers in the league. I think he is top of the league. And, you know, as far as that um, could have gone, it's gone as well as it could have from a footballing perspective. For Jordan Henderson, you're also talking about Aladir, who is like 
comes from Sunderland, has like spent his life in the north of England. He's got a wife and three children. Like, of course, it's going to be difficult to go and suddenly live um, in the Middle East. Like, I, I, of course, and I, I like totally understand if he's finding it difficult on a personal level. I totally get that, but like you say, it shouldn't really be a surprise that it's that different. I also do wonder if. Look, they're not doing very well. And there is talk about Steven Gerrard perhaps not lasting too much longer in the job. Perhaps that's also part of the reason that Jordan Henderson is thinking about leaving. But primarily, like when I've spoken to people, they say, look, he's worried now. Like (laughs) he should have probably been worried about this too uh, previously, but about his spot in England's Euro 2024 squad. Because the team he's in aren't very good. The level he's playing at ain't very good. And to suddenly lift yourself to play in the European Championships for one of the favourites ain't easy. However good you are, you can't just quickly switch through the gears and get back to where you used to be. So that's going to be really difficult for him as well. As I understand it, Jordan Henderson is going to have to kind of force this move and have those talks himself. And that will begin at the beginning of next week. So another reason I've stuck this at number one is because this is a situation which is kind of imminent. Like Jordan Henderson, if he wants to leave Al Etifak, needs to do it next week and explain his reasons for wanting to go. And they need to accept that and also get an offer for him that they accept. I mean, it's going to be difficult because... He's on so much money there, like so much money. There's all sorts of different... I mean, 350 grand is the the wage that's talked about now. But when he first went, we were hearing 600, 700 grand a week and that that's why he'd taken it. So I'm a little bit uh, sceptical of what he's actually on here. But ultimately, he's got to go and find a club that he's happy at. So... Ajax are obviously the club that is being linked most heavily. That would have to obviously be a loan, but there's no way on this earth that Ajax are paying that much in a salary. I was going to so. say, are Al-Etifak going to sanction a loan? Because all the noises out of Saudi Arabia was that they were not going to be doing that. Well, because they don't want to cover his wages. Why would they continue to cover his wages for a player they don't want to lose um, to leave them? So it's going to be really difficult. I mean, Newcastle were linked in England. Um, now, he... He's from Sunderland. I, I'm just throwing this out there that I find it hard to believe he would go and join Newcastle. Maybe he would. Maybe I'm wrong. But if that, there, would, he's be, been that t- would be tough, I would be tough on Sunderland fans. I, I, I would be very surprised if that happened. But seeing as we're now we've now discovered he's thrown all his morals out the window, maybe we'll do that. Um, he's been touted around half the Premier League. I have to admit, if I was Arsenal looking for a loan sign in midfield. I'd 100% be looking at it. Now, if the wages prove to be Would a barrier actually, to that. Do you think that Jordan Henderson d- drastically improves this Arsenal's Massively side? improves Arsenal's options for the second half. Say, massively. I don't think massively. Jordan Henderson starts for this Fulham team, which means that I don't think he's good enough to start for this Arsenal team. Mate, I think uh, uh, having him in there alongside Declan Rice and Odegaard is... Um, is is better than backup other backup options that Arsenal are going to have across the second half of this season. Yeah, okay, maybe it's a backup, maybe it's a rotation piece. Yeah, that's what you look at. Like you know, Arsenal need strength in depth. That's what they're worried about right now. And if you can slot someone in there that 
has already played with Declan Rice, actually has a reasonable understanding with him too, but also has that understanding of what it takes to win things, of managing games, can actually, showed it at Liverpool many, many times, how he can come on as a substitute and set the rhythm of the game. and get. He is very good at that. Um, and Arsenal lack that sort of player. So again, as I say, like the wage might be a deterrent to that and maybe it can't be done. But if he was going to go anywhere and actually be involved at the top end of the Premier League, I actually think there's some sense in Arsenal. But anyway, at the moment, that one's Chelsea not have loads of money. About. Maybe they could do with him. I'm sure I'll probably end up at Chelsea. Um, we'll see. You know, he's being touted to clubs in, in Germany um, as well as in Italy. I was linked with Juventus, but I was told that Juventus not actively on the case for that one at the moment. And they're looking for a, diff- a different type of midfielder. So we'll have to see. Juventus but... have ruled themselves out of a lot of types of midfielders in this in this window. They ruled themselves out of Calvin Phillips because they were like, that's not the profile we're looking for. If they've now ruled themselves out of Jordan Henderson, what are they looking for, a 10? I mean, it doesn't seem like... They want a more attack-minded know. midfielder, yeah. Okay. Um, Samadzic, is, is, is he more like that? Yeah, that's, that's... A, that's, that's an interesting one. I, I would like yeah, to so see I think... that came through so I think that that's that's probably more of, of what you're looking at for for Juventus style fit that they would like but um yeah let's see Jordan Henderson good luck mate yeah absolutely absolutely so Marzic is a Samadzic a really interesting one that uh, that one would would intrigue me a lot I've, I've enjoyed watching him uh, mm. at Udinese I know that Napoli were linked and I know that Brighton were linked 21 years old Real talent, real talent. That would be a very interesting move. So we'll see how that one plays out. But that takes us to the end of this episode, Dean. Five hottest transfer rumours of the week ranked. It's been a lot of fun. It has, mate. Yeah. Um, if you do like transfer chat, then um, we do do more over at Patreon because I've, I'm doing a weekly Q&A over there as well. So I recorded one of those yesterday, a little solo show, which... Um, you were kind enough to stick out before traveling up to Liverpool. So thanks for that. Um, very weird when you sit in front of a mic and just chat to yourself for half an hour, but it's helped by some good questions along the way. So if you've got any questions, then head over there and you can ask me whatever you like. Absolutely. The link, as ever, is in the description. But for now, all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much for listening to this episode of Ranks FC. We really do appreciate it. Please do share like subscribe all the usual bits and bobs and let your friends know if you think that they would like this episode and ranks fc as a whole as well it really does help us to grow thank you very much to our transfer guru mr dean jones cheers mate i've been jack collins knave of hearts this has been ranks fc doing the rumors we'll be back on the main feed for a main show next week and we'll be back ranking rumors again next thursday as well so make sure you're tuned in take it easy gang peace Final seconds of the game, a chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need 
to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.